0: Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com.
1: I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about how you can discover history by going low tech from explorers Justin Fernal and Emiliano Rupra. We'll also answer a listener question about how nuclear explosions work in space.
0: Let's satisfy some curiosity. You don't need a treasure map or even a map to discover something exciting. In fact, you could find one of history's treasures in a place as modest and unassuming as your local library. That's according to explorers Justin Fornell and Emiliano Rupra, stars of the TV show Unexplained and Unexplored on Science Channel. And they told us a few weeks ago on this podcast about how awesome maps are, but it turns out you don't really need maps to discover stuff. So full disclosure, Ashley and I were getting ready for this interview with these guys, and we were going to ask them about what new technology they're using to, like, image maps and use LIDAR and, I don't know, find stuff underground or whatever. And then we watched the series premiere of the show, and there's an entire segment where these guys are not using million-dollar equipment, but they're actually looking at microfilm in a local public library in Southern California. Here's Justin on how going low-tech can help us solve history's mysteries
2: a lot of times we'll will go to local places, even just to get local limited print books. So you think about you know, like pipe technology of indigenous people of America. So I, I collect pipes and I've, I've given a lot of lectures about smoking pipes. And there's like only very particular books that'll talk about different smoking blends that different indigenous groups would smoke. And I had to search and it was like this, these small little locally produced books that really broke down that, okay, they were not only using tobacco, but they're using all these different plants. They were using different animal glands, beaver casters to mix with the tobacco. And it's like, you know, if you were to buy the largest published book, those little nuggets of information wouldn't be there. It's it's these little bits of oral tradition that get passed down. It might get written in one or two places. So a lot of times local newspapers will be absolute gems, absolute gems for information. And it's not written in some giant peer-reviewed journal. It's just an event that happened in a town and somebody wrote about it and
3: it was forgotten. I think Justin said it best. You know, you don't need an enormous pocketbook and a huge team to go out and be an explorer. There's mysteries that abound in your own backyard. All you need is the will and the curiosity.
0: Emiliano makes it sound so easy, doesn't he? Well, it gets even better. It turns out you don't need a PhD to do this stuff either.
3: One of the phrases that we've been using lately is we're blue-collar explorers. We're not academics. We're certainly well-read and we do our own research. We usually try to find our own funds, but we're really driven by curiosity and to represent groups of people and stories that are often underrepresented. Yes. The advancement of human
2: knowledge is at the center of what we're trying to contribute. It's funny when you, you'll you pitch a lot of these stories to different academic institutions to get funding and everybody wants this big treasure moment. And and we both will say time time again, I said that the knowledge is the treasure. Exactly. And this knowledge... That's going to be lost to time is the treasure and we need to go out there and record it and preserve it before, you know, a particular story or a particular textile or a particular ritual is on its last generation and it hasn't been properly documented and then it'll vanish to time. And, and what a shame, you know, to kind of this this greater piece of human knowledge to have these things vanished and never be recorded properly.
3: Some finds every once in a while will be tangible finds, but most of the finds are intangible. It's human knowledge. It's the rediscovery of a ritual or tradition, the ancient use of an ethnobotanical element, an ancient map, a rereading of history.
2: And one thing I will say, I think that the key, kind of the key to both of our successes is really about looking at all the work that other folks have done who have not been communicating with each other and then putting those pieces together The information is out there, but you've got all these different folks kind of working in their own silos and not sharing information with each other. So we'll go out and meet with all these different scientists from different fields. And it might be an artist, it might be a a musician who might know somebody who knows somebody who can meet with the DNA specialist. And it's it's bringing all these different, these kind of specialists. Uh, And so it might just be life experience that they have that is their specialty. It might be that they know someone, but That detective work is about putting together the different ingredients to make a recipe you know, to to actually solve a historic mystery.
0: Are you as motivated to go out and dig into history as we are? Again, Explorers Justin Fornell and Emiliano Rupra are the stars of Unexplained and Unexplored, which you can catch every Sunday at 10 p.m. Eastern on Science Channel.
1: Today's episode is sponsored by Purple Mattress. Better sleep, better you.
0: You need to get a good night's sleep if you want to be happy and productive. Not to mention, imagine flipping through the pages of an old book and accidentally skimming past a page with a major historic discovery on it, all because you didn't sleep well. And if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, then you've got to try a Purple Mattress.
1: The Purple Mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced, because it uses a brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. So it feels unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time.
0: The Purple Mattress keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable, so it sleeps cool. It's not like the memory foam you're probably used to. And when you order, you'll get a 100-night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund.
1: It's also backed by a 10-year warranty, with free shipping and returns. You're going to love purple. And right now, Curiosity Daily listeners will get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's on top of all the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text CURIOUS to 84888. The only way to get this free pillow is to text curious to 84888.
0: That's C U R I O U S to 84888. Message and data rates may apply.
1: We got a listener question from Bracia on Twitter who writes, "Hey guys, have you ever talked about how a nuclear explosion would work in space?" Great question, Bracia. So to back up, a nuclear explosion on Earth has three main components. There's the force of the blast, the heat from the blast, which is also known as thermal radiation, and the nuclear radiation, basically high-energy particles. All three of these can do damage to people and buildings, but the biggest harm from an Earth-based nuke comes from those first two. The blast can rupture organs and destroy structures, and the thermal radiation can burn skin and start fires. But as much as we hear about the dangers of nuclear radiation, it turns out that our relatively dense atmosphere weakens those high-energy particles so they're not as dangerous as they could be. But if you detonate a nuke in the vacuum of space, that all changes. Without an atmosphere to carry the energy, there's basically no blast. Same goes for thermal radiation, since there's no air to heat. But the nuclear radiation? Hoo boy. A 20 kiloton bomb, which is roughly the size of the one dropped on Nagasaki, would spread high doses of nuclear radiation in space up to 17 times as far as the same explosion on Earth. If that happens in deep space, that's one thing. But if you detonate a nuke in space directly above our planet, that radiation can strip electrons off of atoms in the atmosphere and create a fluctuating electric current, resulting in a powerful electromagnetic pulse, or EMP. And that can have disastrous effects. How do we know? Because the U.S. and the Soviet Union have done it. Like, more than a dozen times. In 1962, the U.S. military detonated a 1.4 megaton bomb called Starfish Prime 400 kilometers above the Pacific Ocean. At more than 70 times the yield of the bomb dropped on Nagasaki, Starfish Prime was the largest bomb ever set off in space. It didn't create a blast or a fireball, but the EMP wreaked havoc on our electrical grid. It knocked out 300 streetlights and set off numerous burglar alarms in Hawaii, 1,400 kilometers from the test site. That's 900 miles. That's the scary thing about nuclear weapons. When the blast doesn't get you, the radiation will. Thanks for your question, Bracia. Before we wrap up,
0: here's a sneak peek at what you can catch this weekend on curiosity.com.
1: This weekend, you'll learn about why your earliest memories are probably fake, why plague existed for millennia before the first epidemic hit, what happens when someone's missing half a brain, why days on Earth are getting longer, and more.
0: That's what you can catch this weekend. Let's talk about what we learned today, though.
1: Yeah, I thought it was cool that you don't need a treasure map or an advanced degree or even LIDAR to discover something from history. You can just visit your local library and let your curiosity be your guide.
0: Archival research just sounds so cool. Because, I mean, there are libraries with collections of journals and, and personal diaries and things that no one has ever read, right? Like, literally ever. So you can pick up one of these books, and, I mean, yeah, a lot of times it's not going to be that revelatory but sometimes you'll find something and it's like no one has ever told
1: this story before how cool is that yeah the same thing's true of biology like there are all these collections of animal specimens in the backs of museums where new species are discovered all the time
0: so cool i was also very curious to learn about nukes in space Sounds like they would spread nuclear radiation super far and mess with their electronics pretty badly. So I, for one, am crossing my fingers that nobody nukes space anytime soon. That's for sure. Or anywhere. Today's last story was written by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity.com.
1: Today's podcast was scripted, produced, and edited by Cody Goff.
0: Have a great weekend and join us again Monday to learn something new in just a few minutes on the award-winning Curiosity Daily.
1: And until then, stay curious